Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Hello and welcome to the world of sport. I'm Tali Anderson. This week... Yeah, we've already started preparing and uh, hopefully we can put up a good show while we are chat. Fiji braces for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity... Strict eligibility rules are discouraging New Zealand's Pacifica netball players from representing their heritage, and half a dozen competing bids have signalled their interest in becoming the first Pacific Super Rugby franchise. But first, Fiji is bracing for a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity after being confirmed as one of eight teams taking part in the Nations Cup rugby competition in November. The Flying Fijians will take on France, Italy and Scotland in Group A, with England, Ireland, Wales and Georgia to contest Group B. The final round will be a series of crossover matches against the team with the equivalent placing in the opposite pool. Fiji have not played four consecutive tests against Tier 1 countries in the professional era, and CEO John O'Connor told Vinnie Wiley their participation will be an historic milestone. Yeah, we've already started preparing and uh, hopefully we can uh, put up a good show while we are chat. Obviously, outside of a Rugby World Cup, it's pretty rare to get three or four Tier 1 Test matches uh, in consecutive weekends. So, I mean, that in itself is uh, you know, a huge boost for, for a team like Fiji. It'll be a challenge for the boys. Uh, but, you know, we've been crying over uh, more Test matches against Tier 1 for so long. Uh, it's an opportunity for us you know, to put our hands up and uh, to show that we can be competitive. Eh? I know it's a big challenge for a coaching uh, panel. And likewise, uh, all our players will be selected to uh, participate in the tournament. Was it a case of the Six Nations inviting Fiji to be a part of it, or did you guys put your hand up, or how did that work? Yeah, we were invited uh, initially, and we've been in uh, discussions with Six Nations for some time. Historical moment for for rugby in Fiji and for Fiji rugby. And I think it's uh, also a a one-in-a-lifetime opportunity, And so how how will it work? Because, I mean, obviously, uh, Vern Cotter will name his first squad to take part in this tournament, but do you know if if all of your players are available or just because of quarantine situations, uh, how how that's going to work in terms of getting the team together and getting them prepared? Yeah, we've already uh, been uh, working with our players. We have uh, two of our coaching panel who are based in Europe. Uh, They've been um, working with Vern in monitoring the players. Uh, most of our players are based in Europe, and uh, Vern's been watching all our local domestic competitions. He has been impressed with some local players, and uh, we are now uh, moving forward with uh, making arrangements for them to be able to travel to the to the northern hemisphere. I think the advantage we have is because we COVID contained uh, 
that uh, at the moment, as it is, we are uh, not required to quarantine when we arrive, uh, but we know we have to quarantine when we return back to Fiji and likewise to New Zealand. A lot of planning has uh, gone into our preparation, uh, but uh, we never know uh, what COVID-19 will bring. So, so before the tournament starts, uh, the squad's hoping to uh, come together at the end of October. So before the competition starts, you, you anticipate that all the players would be able to go directly into camp and start training and then, as you say, the players based in the Southern Hemisphere would probably have to quarantine, but, but just at the end. Uh, in terms of preliminary planning, we're planning to assemble uh, on the 24th of October, uh, prepare. Uh, we're currently in negotiation for a possible uh, warm-up match before we dive into our first match against France, which is on the 14th, 18th, I think. So. Would the warm-up match be a, a test match or just against sort of like a barbarians or a local club side or something? Yeah, yeah we're considering uh, options uh, at the moment uh, and things will become clearer in the next uh, few days or next few weeks. Eh? You know, there's always talk about Tier 2 Nations when you go over for these November tours. Traditionally, you, you don't get any of the gate takings. Um, will, will Fiji get any financial benefit out of being a part of this Autumn Nations Championship? Yeah, we've negotiated the uh, participation fee and I think the difficulty in um, in negotiation at this time because uh, we do not know whether uh, the matches will be played uh, with crowds or, no, or without any crowds. But we are thankful for the Six Nations for their support in this team. They will be covering um, all our costs for the tournament and uh, uh, they've been very positive in terms of negotiating uh, participation figure, keeping in mind that there, you know, there are a lot of uncertainties, yes, but we are quite happy with uh, where we are in terms of the negotiation. Fiji Rugby CEO John O'Connor. Northern Mystics mid-quarter for Amu Ioane says strict eligibility rules are discouraging Pacifica netball players in New Zealand from representing their heritage. ANZ Premiership teams are restricted to one international import in their squads, with Pacific internationals forced to compete alongside high-profile names from Africa, the UK and the Caribbean. At international level, players with dual eligibility cannot represent a different nation at consecutive World Cups. Ioane was born in Samoa but moved to New Zealand 16 years ago and was part of New Zealand's under-21 squad that went on to claim the World Youth Cup in 2017. The 24-year-old admits wearing the black dress is the goal but says Pacifica players would jump at the opportunity to represent their culture if there weren't so many barriers. The most thing that kind of hinders the Pacific Islander players is that when we do not make the squad, like for instance, at the moment, we don't make that squad, but then we would love to go play for our country now. But then there's a restriction because if we play for them, we had to stand down for four years, and which will also put a restriction on us playing in the ANZ comp. If we do come back and play in ANZ comp, we'll be like, we'll be down as an input player. Let's say if I go play for someone, I'll be stood down for four years to make the friends. And I, I'll become, I'll become a input player for ANZ, even though I am a New Zealand person. <laughs> and I think like that's a lot of more like that adds on to another restriction for why most of us Pacific Islander players don't go back and play for our country unless you know we're retired or we're finished with the game. Have you ever considered playing for or representing Samoa? Oh, most definitely. Like I would love to just. If there was no restriction, then you're able to go play for your country and come back and, uh, you know, still have the opportunity to um, play for the Ferns. 
and like trial for New Zealand, I will most definitely go go and play and represent um, my country. And that's still good because then like if you represent Samoa, you're still up against like the ferns and which will still give you the opportunity to be seen as well. Me and some of the players were talking about, we're like, oh man, it'll be so cool to go back and play for, our, you know, represent our country. And like, you know, our end goal is still to play for friends and represent them. But it'll be good if they actually allow the players to go back and play for their country because then for competition, there'll be a lot more, like, it'll be a lot more interested, like, interesting to watch because you have the Islanders who've gone, like, the PI has gone back playing for their country, which will lift the competition. The end goal, was it, has it always been representing New Zealand or playing for the Silver Ferns? Yeah, so for me, I don't quite understand. Like I, In like high school, I was just like, oh, you know, I enjoy playing my sport because I didn't only play netball in high school. It wasn't when I got selected um, in the tournament team in 2011 and like in going through the process, it was like, oh, look, um, you're going to get a chance to... Um, to trial up for New Zealand Secondary School. At that time, I didn't even know what New Zealand Secondary School was. I didn't know that there was a 21. All I knew there was a friend, but I didn't know anything like all the like the steps to get um to get to friends. And I think I just made up my mind and like like going into trials for New Zealand Secondary School that eventually I I do want to represent New Zealand. Like that's my end end goal. Northern Mystics midcorder Faamu Yuani. Half a dozen competing bids have signalled their interest in becoming the first Pacific Super Rugby franchise. New Zealand Rugby wants to add a Pacifica team to the competition from 2021 and is considering expressions of interest. Kanaloa Hawaii and the Asia Pacific Dragons previously voiced their desire to join the Super Rugby competition, while Moana Pacifica is the latest group to go public. Pacific Rugby players CEO Aidan Clark told Vinnie Wiley, they have consulted with half a dozen prospective groups. From our perspective, we just want a quality organisation to grab this opportunity. There's never been an appetite from the competition owners, and at the moment it looks like that would be New Zealand, um, to have a Pacific Island Super Rugby team involved. So uh, we've said right from the start um, that we just want there to be meaningful outcomes and involvement from the three uh, nations, Fiji, Tonga and Samoa, um, and whomever that may be that, that really leads out this franchise, and making sure that the benefits um, of this team in terms of performance pathway really flow back into the islands. So, you know, there are six interested bids, but it's fair to say not all of them would want to kickstart as soon as next year, which I guess is only, you know, three, four, five months away. Yeah, exactly. Um, realistically, you know, given the current uh, environment across the world, the travel restrictions, we may be looking at another New Zealand option for next year in Super Rugby. Um, it's a really short runway to be able to pull together a high-performing squad, build a roster of players, contracting, all, all of that. Um, so I know, as you've outlined, that some of the organisations don't believe that that is possible and more inclined to really put their work into trying to be a serious option uh, for a longer term. But there are some others uh, who are New Zealand-based um, who, who think they can pull that together. So... Yeah, look, you know, even this morning um, and across the weekend, working with all of them to see how we can try and make that happen. Are any of the bids that you're aware of not wanting to base themselves in New Zealand? Um, I know that Fiji quite rightly have a strong desire that if you base out of Fiji, uh, maybe not for next year, um, but they're looking at options of how they could adapt that. But long term, um, they genuinely do feel that there should be a team base there. And, and to be honest, I think that would be fantastic. 
uh, to have genuine involvement for the three nations, uh, to provide variety, uh, not only for the fans, but also for the players. We could have an op- uh, option here where there's no more travelling to South Africa um, and, and having a trip um, once a year across the Pacific Islands, um, different community, really passionate fans. I think it'll be great for the game um, and, and hopefully that's, that's a long-term option. Do you, do you think it's possible if we have these two separate competitions in New Zealand and Australia, I don't know there's talk about you know they play their comps and then they might have sort of a final series combined later on, but is it possible with two separate comps as we've seen this year that there could be separate Pacifica teams in each comp? Oh, yes, yes. I think um, across the bids and the people that are showing interest, there's some, there's some really great ideas and strengths and weaknesses of all of them. Um, so I think it would be possible. There are two very separate markets, New Zealand and Australia, and, and possibly commercially Australia could be a little bit stronger than here in New Zealand. But, you know, there's, there's pros and cons for different models, and I guess it's up to the franchise owners and the people that are leading them around to come about those decisions. Hopefully we will see just quality uh, involvement of the three nations and making sure that such a such a team, a professional team, um, slots in nicely with the aspirations of Manu Samoa, Flying Fijians and Akali Tahi. So, so some of those bids have considered or are keen on, say, basing themselves, for example, in Sydney or, or Brisbane or, you know, similar to the, the Auckland theory? Uh, yes, yes. So you talked about the Asia-Pacific Dragons there. They have a reach across um, not only the Pacific but Asia. Um, I know that they're exploring and, and aren't um, bedded to any options in terms of being based in. And I guess not just them, but also um, Moana Pacifica, um, Kanaloa, uh, Fiji. There's been a tremendous amount of listening as well um, to all the different stakeholders and I guess everybody trying to come up with the winning formula. And uh, you know, in terms of the squads that we've seen built for the Latui, for the Indrua, for uh, Kangifa Samoa for example, you know, often there's a lot of New Zealand uh, and, and Australian based uh, Pacifica players in those teams and they've been sort of turned around or created in a short space of time, the squads. So does you know, there's a lot of talk about you know untapped Pacifica players in New Zealand, etc., that could help make up this super team. Do you feel like that depth is there that that a team could be competitive at a in, in a short space of time? Uh, yes, I do. It's going to take um, a fair bit of crafting and a few uh, bits and pieces to come together. But there's definitely enough talent. You know, currently in New Zealand, you're near 50% of um, all contracted players are Pacific Islanders anyway. In Australia, it's, uh, it's higher than that. So, um, and you know, I haven't really done the stats um, looking at the new squads for Mighty Ten Cup, but I have the expectation that there's probably very, very high as well. So there's plenty of talent around Vinny. Um, I guess it's about um, finding the right times. A lot of them are already contracted. Um, some are coming off contracts. You've got players around the world who are not sure if they're going to have a, an opportunity somewhere in the, in the UK or Europe in 2021 who will be looking at this. So it's it's a very interesting time, not only for players, but for agents um, ourselves and for all these organisations trying to trying to put together a competitive squad. And, and it needs to be competitive. Uh, it's absolutely critical that this team comes in to any competition and, and does well and gets the public behind them and is competitive um, on the field, but also in the commercial market. So, look, we're all, uh, it's all hands on deck, just trying to make sure that um, whoever it is uh, has the really best opportunity uh, to pull it all off. And, and so if you've been liaising or in contact with all of these prospective bids and, and, and NZR, when, do you have a feeling for when a decision is going to be made or when we can get a little bit more you know, concrete information on a preferred bid and, and a timeline? Yeah, and speaking with Nigel Kirsten and NZR, um, I think they're hoping to try and give everybody some clarity by the end of this month, end of September. 
So I'm sure um, that's for next year anyway. Um, and we need that. We, we, we need to be able to uh, make sure that everyone can get on with it and start planning if it's going to be such a short runway in. So um, yeah, by the end of the month, I think we'll know um, at least what the competition may look like and who's evolved for 2021. And then I think um, possibly for whatever competition may go beyond that, you could be looking at early next year. Pacific Rugby Players CEO Aidan Clark. And that's the world in sport for this week. For more, head to our website, rnzi.com. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to yeah. bring something like this to life. And yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend <laughs> that I don't right Hold now. it in. Hold on. And our current faves. Yeah. Luffy must have his due. <laughs> Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.